literally in late July. There is nothing whatsoever to talk about, but I still do have a bunch of questions here uh, that I am going to choose from that I do believe are interesting topics to cover. There's a bunch of Austin Reeves quotes that are going around because of an appearance uh, an appearance that he did on the All the Smoke podcast that I found interesting. Um, a look behind the scenes at his uh, free agency especially was interesting to me. Um, so we'll get to all of that here in a bit. All right, uh, I'm going to start with the Reeves stuff because that is the newsy-ish stuff. Newsy-ish, newsiest stuff. Sorry, still dealing with this tongue thing um, that we have to get to, um, and 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 specifically the free agency aspect of it. Apparently, you know, the market for him was obviously made complicated by the fact that he is a restricted free agent, which again, as I've said time and time and time and time again, um, is an oxymoron. Restricted free agency. There's an oxymoron sitting right there. Restricted and free are both diametrically opposed words. <laughs> uh, but anyway, despite that, he did apparently have some interest out there. Um, the San Antonio Spurs were interested in him, according to Austin Reeves. And before they signed Fred Van Vliet, apparently he was getting some interest from the Houston Rockets as well. Um, eventually, you know, nothing really came out of either of those situations. And the Lakers wind up signing him to a contract that is incredible value, uh, depending on what he does in this upcoming season. I think, I, look, I'm, I'm not here to, to, this is clearly obviously what's going on here. Um, this is what we heard all along uh, at the very onset of free agency. The Lakers made it crystal clear that they were going to match any offer that any and and they were going to match it in the most painful ways possible for whoever was going to have their money tied up in Austin Reeves while they uh, made that decision or while they, you know, after they, after they signed that offer sheet, or if he would have signed an offer sheet with anybody, that money would have been sitting there on their books until the Lakers matched it. And the Lakers would have waited as long as they possibly could have to match it because they were operating above the cap anyway. And all that would have done is make things more difficult for that team. And as soon as that was the report, and as soon as that became the narrative throughout the league, which it was, like there was, there was nobody that you were talking to in in uh, league circles that at any point thought that Reeves wasn't going to be back with the Lakers, and you know, unfortunately, that made it really difficult for for Austin to maximize his earning potential this this last summer, and. Uh, Still, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and lose any sleep over the fact that this guy is now worth upwards of sixty million dollars. Uh, he's done fine. He will do fine. He has another contract after this where he can really cash in, depending on what he does on this current contract. And um, everybody kind of moves forward. But uh, yeah, those teams are. It made sense. Houston wanted some more ready-made talent to surround their their young core with this upcoming uh, or this upcoming season um and they did that in some with some interesting decisions i don't know how that van vliet contract is going to age and i certainly don't know how that dylan brooks contract is going to age i understand 
their interest in Reeves where he is just older, you know, enough than their current core to kind of bridge that gap as, as they all get ready to start really competing. And uh, yeah, I understand why they would have interest in Reeves. Also, he's a really good basketball player. And then for San Antonio, Reeves is a perfect fit for the stuff that pop likes to run, what they're going to need from their ball handlers and and backcourt players um, with Wemby. Uh, totally makes sense there. And then also, like, and this is where I was kind of surprised. Uh, I thought because San Antonio never had re- any any real intention to fill their cap space with players next year, you know, utilizing free agency, I thought they would use that cap space to stick it to the Lakers. This was something that, again, uh, in, in league circles, a lot of people thought that San Antonio would eventually, you know, I think, I think everybody knew that as the offseason wore on, eventually San Antonio was going to rent out that cap space, get some more assets for taking on some bad contracts and and carry out their offseason that way. But in the meantime, a lot of people thought that they would sign Austin to a contract that the Lakers would match, and then they can go about the rest of their offseason in the way that they wound up doing it. And uh, the fact that they didn't, made things obviously a little easier on the Lakers, but it did surprise a lot of people that I spoke to that, uh, that thought that, yeah, the Spurs would enjoy sticking it to the Lakers specifically. And, uh, it's a good thing they didn't for the Lakers. It's unfortunate that they didn't from Austin's perspective, because that would have been a better payday coming off of a really strong season. Um, but it, you know, I think the most important takeaway here, and I probably shouldn't be at the most important takeaway six minutes into this monologue, uh, the most important takeaway is that Austin doesn't seem at all upset with how things played out. Um, I've, sp- I've, I've, I've actually maintained contact with, uh, people close to Austin, um, throughout a lot of this and, uh, at no point did I sense any like real frustration and, and, and annoyance with this process. They still knew they were heading towards a great payday. He got the max offer that he could get from the Lakers and the Lakers happily made that offer to him. Um, and then they could all kind of move forward and work together to make sure that Austin's next contract kind of makes up for what restricted free agency did to him this time around. Also, importantly, from that interview, uh, apparently he is not dating Taylor Swift um, that we know of. That That's what somebody dating Taylor Swift but doesn't want us to know about him dating Taylor Swift would say. Makes you think, right? All right, let's get to some questions. So the first one here comes from at uh, Seafish35. Appreciate all the content and hard work you put in. Given your past experience covering LA sports and your relationship slash friends in the LA media space, did you ever consider doing a larger LA sports coverage network for the Lakers, Dodgers, and Kings? And definitely not the Clippers. I appreciate uh, the kind words at the top there. Uh, yeah, to be completely honest, that was one of the things early in my career that I thought I was going to have an, uh, the opportunity to do. Um, a couple times it came up. One, when I was working at, uh, when I was running Dodgers Nation, the plan there was to eventually, you know, obviously focus on the Dodgers stuff 
And then obviously I had plenty of, of experience at that point doing some Lakers stuff too. So those were going to be the two kind of pylons that, that, um, that we started with. And then we would add, I think at that time, the people I was working with wanted to do an SC thing and they wanted to, this was before the Rams got back to LA. Um, but it was known that they were coming. So we were getting ready to, to do something like that. Um, Unfortunately, that came at the same time that uh, the first pivot to media to, to uh, video happened, and uh, you know we were we were just kind of getting our feet underneath us at Dodgers Nation, and then uh, we tried to pivot to video, in my opinion, too quickly, and the momentum that we were building towards just like didn't it, it all just kind of ended in a fart, you know, a, a wet firework. So that was the first time around. Um, didn't never really got very close. Uh, then when I was at Locked On Lakers, um, so Locked On Network started with just a handful of NBA teams. It was uh, most of the big markets, and then you know David had some relationships in the in in the industry with some people that he really um, trusted, and you know gave shows to. And those guys, those people earned it, and I really liked the the Locked On Network in its infancy. Unfortunately, it took so long to get off of the ground that uh, some of those voices said this is not this 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 is not worth sticking around for, and they eventually moved on and, and, and were replaced. And um, obviously, Locked On has has done some really cool stuff since. Um, but when Locked On Lakers really started taking off, um, the opportunity came to me to do, to host locked on Dodgers. David actually came to me and asked me if I wanted to do it. Um, and I, I, I said no at that time because, uh, it was just locked on Lakers was this full-time thing. And I just didn't want to go through building something from the ground up again. And, uh, you know, look, Vince, and and Snyder, like those guys do, Jeff, I believe it. They do an incredible job. I remember when I was still at Locked On Lakers, we were doing shows together um, fairly regularly as as we tried to utilize Locked On Lakers position to help that show get off of the ground. Um, and then, you know, I, I approached David and I said, "Well, let's do an LA thing. Let's do a Locked On LA." um, was, was the idea that I had. And, um, he said, well, let's, let's hold on and, and see what this looks like. And I think he has actually launched some locked on area or regional, like locked on shows, um, that are, you know, kind of follow pretty closely the, the model that I would have pursued with, with doing the, that. Um, so that was the second time that I wanted to do that. And again, didn't necessarily get very close and um and then like the final time was most recently at 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 vox um obviously we already had the infrastructure with uh you know true blue la was in my opinion one of the best fan sites out there uh eric does an incredible job there so we would have worked together there and done you know and, and and built some some regional stuff that um would have again it's been done it's been successfully launched so that was kind of the idea that that i had a couple times over and i think at this point 
it's so saturated that I, you know, right now the focus is on, on this show and getting it back to where it needs to be. And then if we do do that, then I think eventually we could do something like that. That would be fun. Um, but yeah, for, for right now, it's just Lakers. It's, and, and, uh, you know, the other thing too, is like so many of these podcasts are already spoken for. So if I did want to do something like that, like I couldn't just go and grab Eric because he's, you know, that show is, is, um, it has its ties already. So we'll see maybe one day doubt it, but maybe one day. <laughs> All right. Next question here comes from at Joey lasagna one. If you had to ballpark it, what does Vando's next contract look like slash do the Lakers pay it? That's an interesting question. Um, I was thinking about this a lot. So I, I asked for questions this morning and, um, the questions that we did get, I spent a lot of time thinking about over the course of the day. I'm now recording at like 9.30 my time. Um, this one was like his really bugged me all day. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie. This was, this was a, a, a really tough one because on one hand, Vando is still the Lakers' best perimeter defender. Um, maybe you can make an argument for, for Gabe Vincent, depending on, on what he brings there. Maybe Austin Reeves like takes a step forward. I guess the Lakers ha want to to put him on the Caruso diet, right? Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily see it. Max is in his second year, and I do think he's eventually going to be a good defender. But I, I, I'm I'm a little nervous to put that kind of responsibility on him. So yeah, it's probably going to be Jared Vanderbilt that the Lakers, you know, use to put on the Devin Bookers of the world, uh, Bradley Beal in, in that same matchup, Steph Curry, uh, you know, and, and, you know, De'Aaron Fox, I guess in the same division. Um, and then, you know, you kind of build it out from there. And, and, uh, the problem is though, like we don't know what kind of offensive player Jared Vander Vanderbilt is going to be. And in the NBA, a lot of times players now are kind of defined by what they cannot do. And uh, we've seen really good defenders kind of slip through the league and never really get the full opportunity that they maybe should just based off of defensive talent because teams will so happily ignore that player and gum up the, you know, your offense because of that player. And, um, yeah, there are lineups that, you know, maybe, you know, you have enough spacing to make up for that with Vanderbilt, but if your best perimeter defender just has to stand in the corner and get ignored, that makes it really difficult, uh, to, to, to operate offensively. So, um, I, I would like to say that he's like, a eight to $10 million a year player, I would probably say. Um, and if he does come in at that number. I do think the Lakers would probably happily sign him to something in that range. But I also think that if he doesn't show enough improvement from last year, that the Lakers have enough wings on their team where they'll just kind of say like, sorry, man, learn to shoot or learn to finish. It's not just like, I know a lot of times we think of three uh, and D players as you know, it's the two parts, the three and the D, but you need to be like respectable somewhere. You know, you have to have a decent floater game from like five feet and in. 
You have to be able to quickly catch and go up and finish. You have to look like fairly confident at the free throw line if you get put there. And right now that just is like isn't the case with Jared. So uh, until that changes, I you know I, I'm really curious what his role is going to look like this year because the Lakers have so many players who play his position that you know, like Torian Prince is going to help space the floor. He's not going to get after it defensively in the same way that that um, Jared Vanderbilt will. But uh, for the Lakers, when you have like when you have AD and when you have LeBron, and if Reeves takes a step forward defensively, and if Rui is the defender, the the defender that we saw him uh, showcase in the uh, playoffs last year, if like that's who he is, then the, the minutes for 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 Vando do kind of like go away quickly. So look from everything I've heard, he's working on all of the shots that he needs to focus on. And, and I think people around him are optimistic that he's going to come in and look significantly better offensively than he did when we last saw him. Because if not, this is not the roster to like have that glaring a hole in your game. All right, uh, the next one here comes from M. M. Christie Muse. Uh, in the best pa- possible outcome, how much do we see of Jalen Huchifino this season? Should the Lakers push him to con- con- uh, contribute right away, or is the focus strictly on developing him uh, to that? Chances is he, he is the backup point guard heading into next year. I wish I was higher on Sh- Huchifino after seeing him play in summer league and yeah, it's summer league. And you know, we've seen guys kind of like not really impress their rookie year there. And then eventually grow a little bit from there. Um, I'm not saying that like, I am completely out on the guy, but um, any notion of him helping this year, I think is uh, probably overstated, overly optimistic for him. Um, For one thing at his position, you have, Gabe Vincent, who they just signed. You have D'Angelo Russell, who they just re-signed. Maybe Russell eventually gets moved and you get some minutes opening up there. But as it stands right now, you have Vincent, Russell, and Reeves, who are going to take the vast majority of the the minutes, all of the minutes, basically, at uh, Fino's position. And that makes it really tough. And then, you know, ahead of him, you have either Max Christie or Cam Reddish, uh, both of whom are more ready to participate in NBA games right now. So yeah, the, the, the draft pick, I, I get it. You know, I understand why, why they would have liked him. Um, he's very much the archetype that like Rob Palenka specifically likes, right? He likes those kind of bigger combo guards who flash some stuff um, on the ball the problem is like there just you know there just isn't really an opportunity for him you know short of any kind of injuries and and look injuries are going to happen over the course of the year and maybe that opens up some time for him during those stretches where they're a little short rotation wise but i think this is like unless something really bad goes wrong uh he is probably just going to spend most of his time in the G League this year and he's really going to focus on developing, and he'll have a probably pretty similar season that to ha- to what Christie had last year, where uh, you know you'll see him and you'll see how you feel about him, and then 
going into next summer, you, uh, you know, hopefully he looks better in that, in that setting and you look to build on it so that like next year you're more comfortable giving him more minutes. But yeah, as of right now, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really see the opportunity for him to, to really help them this year. But, you know, I'd love to be proven wrong. Uh, this is, this is the thing for all of these guys. Um, I, if I'm low on a player, I really hope that I'm wrong. Uh, but as of right now, like there's just, this is, this is a lot more about the players ahead of him in the rotation than it is about him, the player he is right now. All right. Uh, at dad sports tweets writes, what's the ideal uh, rotation going to look like for the Lakers in the regular season, given what is on, on the roster currently. So we are not, um, we are not taking into account whichever center they add. All right. I think your starting lineup is Gabe, Vincent, Reeves, Rui, LeBron, and AD. And then Russell comes in for one of Reeves or Vincent. And then I think Prince comes in for... LeBron, and then I think you have a you have some choices here, right? Where you can, um, you know, you bring in Vando depending on the matchup there uh, for defense, and and whichever guard didn't sub out first, you put Vando out there for. Eventually, AD is going to have to sit. Um, I do know that they like to play him for most of the first quarter. Um, maybe they do that, or if they decide to like have him sit a little earlier, um, then I guess you have Hayes coming in, but if Hayes is coming in, then I think LeBron has to get ready to check in with Hayes because I don't think you you don't want your front court to, to have neither of LeBron or date or AD in there. Um, and so I think at that point, like LeBron comes in for Rui and, uh, and then, you know, you, you, now it just becomes how much of, of, uh, the, the rotation LeBron or, uh, Ham wants to go into, right? So if Ham says he wants a 10 man rotation, then there are, there might be some times where, uh, LeBron and AD are sitting and you have a whole bench unit out there. We know that Ham likes to do that, um, as, as annoying as, as that can sometimes look. Uh, in, in which case, you know, a, a bench group, and this is kind of why I want Russell with the second unit, because I think he's creative enough uh, and, and certainly more creative than Gabe Vincent. So the, there you would have, you would have Russell, and I guess you could have Vando, and you would have Prince, and you would have, who am I forgetting? I guess maybe Max. Yeah, I, yeah, you could have Max. So uh, D'Lo, Max, Vando, Prince, and Hayes would be like your all-bench lineup that plays three minutes tops together, um, maybe on either in either half, if that. And then, yeah, you, you just kind of fill in the gaps from there. But um, I, 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 one thing that is pretty apparent in, in carrying out that exercise, and yeah, I, I probably should have written more of that down, 
Uh, but um, one thing that is very apparent in, in carrying out that exercise is how badly the Lakers probably need another big. Um, and, and look, they know it, as I've said all along. They've had offers out to um, to both Biombo and uh, Wood. And as soon as they don't get either of those guys, they'll move on to like Jamichael Green or maybe they bring back Tristan Thompson or maybe they bring back Wenyan Gabriel. But yeah, at, at some point they're going to be adding another big and, and whenever that happens, like it'll, we'll, we'll kind of see um, what that does to the rotation and, and, you know, which big they bring in is, is going to really impact stuff because like, you know, I, when I was doing that a second ago, I was thinking like, all right, how can I minimize the damage that Hayes can do? Um, you don't have to worry about that so much if Christian Wood is the one coming off of your bench, right? And if you're if you're if you don't get Wood, same goes for Biombo. Like I, I'm not if Biombo is out there on the court, I'm not going to be sitting there like sweating out the Biombo minutes. But I do think, especially early in the year, while Hayes is still working with the development team and still working to understand what the Lakers are expecting of him in various situations. I am going to be sweating out those those Jackson Hayes minutes. So, uh, yeah, it, whatever the Lakers bring that player in and whoever that player might be is, is obviously going to impact this stuff. But as I just did that exercise a second ago, it does really highlight the need for that guy and, and whoever that guy uh, might be. The other thing, too, is um, as I was carrying out that exercise... The Lakers have so many wings. Like, I didn't even mention Cam Reddish there. At some point, like, he did sign as a favor to Clutch, and Clutch is going to be hoping that he can, you know, rehab his image. He's going to be asked to fit in there somewhere. Um, and, and I think one thing that we're probably going to see a lot of here from the Lakers are going to be, like, whereas we saw last year a whole bunch of multi-small guard lineups, I think one of the things that's really going to define this year is going to be how many multi-wing lineups the Lakers throw out there. And and the versatility and the switchability of those lineups is something I'm really looking forward to. And, you know, that would mean that, uh, you know, a lot of Vando and and a lot of, uh, a lot of Torian Prince and maybe more of Vando and Rui minutes than we got last year. And, um, you know, I know Rob Polinka has talked a little bit about, you know, the two big lineups. Um, and, and some of that is going to be matchup de- dependent. But if the Lakers are going to be a wing team, and I think they are going to be one, then that means a lot of like AD at the five, because when he's at the four, unless he really slims down, he's not really much of a wing. Um, when he, the Lakers won a championship, he was like a supersized wing. But like last year when he was a little bit more plotting and stuff like that, he's not so much a wing. So it's a lot of this rotation, like I said a second ago, is going to be dependent on the player that they bring in, if that is Christian Wood. And it still looks like it's going to be Christian Wood. Um, And if it isn't Christian Wood, then what the rotation looks like is probably going to have a lot to do with what Anthony Davis looks like heading into training camp. If he is slimmed down, then, you know, you could really do some interesting stuff 
with the number of wings that you have at your disposal. If you're if he gets so slimmed down that you want to consider him a wing again, which would be super exciting because I think that's the best version of Anthony Davis. Um, but if not, and if the Anthony Davis that we see next year is closer to the one that we saw last year, then he is again going to play only the five and you know, maybe occasionally you get LeBron in there as your like pseudo small forward, but for the most part, he's going to be your power forward. Rui is going to alternate between three and four. Vando is going to alternate between two and three. I think, I don't think we're going to get very many Vando with the four minutes anymore. Um, and then, you know, Torian Prince is going to alternate between the two, three, four. I think they're really going to look at him a lot more flexibly just to make sure that they can get his shooting on the court. And then, you know, the nice thing about your three guard group heading into next year is that they can all play both together and with whoever is behind them. So like Austin can play with Max and Max can play with, uh, or Cam Reddish can play with Gabe Vincent. And, uh, obviously D'Lo can play with either Gabe or Max. And, and those three guys are all, you know, they can all kind of come and go and, and, and make it work all together. Um, in terms of those two spots, I don't think we're going to get very many minutes of those three guys out there together. I hope not to be honest, uh, because that would really limit the number of things you can do with all of the wings on the roster. Uh, but if they do choose to do that, the nice thing about that, like going that kind of small is that because all three of those guys can shoot, you're actually getting the benefit of going that small. So yeah, I, I think, the rotation, uh, some of it is going to be matchup dependent. Some of it is going going to be like identity dependent and AD dependent, and then obviously like whoever they brings in here with that 14th roster spot is also going to impact some stuff. So yeah, we'll um, we'll see what uh, what all of this winds up looking like. But uh, I I do hope that like the macro takeaway of me talking all about all of those minutes and. And about that rotation is just how versatile this roster could potentially be. Whew. All right. That is going to do it here for this episode of the uh, Lakers Lowdown podcast. Thank you, everybody, for those questions. Again, if you have a question or a topic that you want covered, the best way to do so and make sure that that topic gets covered is by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Um, short of that, obviously, I'll ask for questions every so often on Twitter so if you want to live dangerously, if you want to gamble a little bit, you can ask those questions there. Um, and then, yeah, we have a fun week of shows at some point here, probably relatively soon. We're going to start taking a step back and maybe not do this um, every single weekday. But so long as I have stuff to talk about, man, I like hopping on here and talking to you. So that's what we're going to do. So until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.